Now we're live. <laughs> okay, welcome everybody. My name is Lisa Frost. Welcome to the Art of Practice. Um, for those of you who have caught this this uh, podcast in the past, thank you. Um, we have just gotten going the last few months. And Kevin and I have been having a good time with this. And this is actually our first time having a guest on. So we're excited for that as well. Um, just a couple of, of housekeeping things. Uh, as I just mentioned, you're not going to be able to be on video for this because it is being streamed as a webinar. Um, for, for those of you who are on YouTube, welcome. And we hope you enjoy today. Um, my name is, again, is Lisa Frost. I'm an integral master coach. And um, yeah, I'm just super excited to be welcoming our guests. And also you, Kevin, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, everyone. <clears throat> My name is Kevin Snorf. I'm an integral master coach as well. Um, was longtime faculty with Integral Coaching Canada. have been involved in the integral movement for a couple decades now, starting originally with some integral ecology stuff, also some integral martial arts stuff. Um, and uh love this love this discourse love meeting new folks uh who are doing integral work which is what we're here to highlight and focus on today so excited about that to uh, learn from an integral practitioner yeah excellent so yeah in fact so let me just go ahead and introduce our guest um you're going to meet just in just a moment roderick chambers and Roderick is going to be on our uh, as a is going to be doing a practice session as a guest coming up soon. Um, in I think we have it scheduled for February, but maybe Roderick, you can let us know when that's going to be scheduled. Um, the the what he's going to be offering something really really interesting um, called practicing the prophetic, and so we're going to talk about what that what it comes from, um, and a little bit also about Rod himself. Uh, he has a very interesting background um, from everything from a communications background to massage therapist. Uh, Rod, I know you do a lot in nutrition as well. Uh, you're also a, 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 an ordained minister, and um, you have kind of a very varied um, history and and resume here, um, but I'm really excited that you're going to be joining us for bringing a practice to our community, and I'm super happy that we have people who are actually here today live who are getting to welcome you into our community. So, Rod, if you want yourself off mute, we'd love to see you if you can be on video, um, and I'd love to just turn it over to you and let you have an opportunity to introduce yourself. There he is. You know, I, I thought that I was a part of the group that wouldn't be allowed to uh, see the face or the video or anything, so I just kept everything on mute, <laughs> mute and blocked out to, to make sure I'm following protocol correctly. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm always excited to, to connect with community and um, especially spirituality and things like that. It's always pretty exciting to hear different perspectives um, and just to touch base with everyone to connect so let me do due diligence and say thank you too for allowing me to come on and to um, just share and uh, connect with whoever else is listening and hopefully we'll be able to reach people who are interested in the class and at minimum have conversations about perhaps information that you may not be aware of so 
Um, as Lisa mentioned, my name is Roderick Chambers, and I do have a very diversified background. I was smiling from ear to ear as you were just kind of highlighting certain points of my professional and academic background, um, because many times I've thought, what in the world have I been doing with my life? It seems so kind of <laughs> here and there, here and there. But overall, you know, as we stay on track, whatever the, uh, the track is or the call is for your life, uh, by and by things start to make more sense. And so for that, I'm, I'm really excited to share space with you all and hopefully coalesce an experience for uh, potential students and, and whoever else want to get involved that we can learn and grow as a community. So I don't know what, what more needs to be said. I'm better with questions, but I can, I can <laughs> talk if you want me to. Yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you. Thank you for that. And, um, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited to actually talk about what you're going to be offering. But before we do that, I'd love for you to uh, just describe sort of that journey that you were just alluding to. Uh, how did you get here? How did you come to be offering uh, something like this? And to you so maybe you can maybe you can talk about yeah just just your journey in terms of how you got to where you are and and then talk about what it is that we're actually talking about and tell us why <laughs> tell us why that's important well, yeah sure. I, but let me just add one piece to that because that's that's what i'm really curious about too and and i'd also love to hear how if there's any integral threads of like how does that piece together for you what's what's the on-ramp there Oh my gosh, y'all are meeting me with, with simple questions, but very loaded questions so soon, so soon. <laughs> um, so let me, let me just start with uh, the prophetic first. Um, well, let me even start before then. What's so interesting about how I arrived here, uh, firstly, Lee Mason, for those who have taken a class with Lee, uh, he and I and Nomali have worked together uh, in different capacities with, through uh, Ubiquity University. I'm in the Wisdom School. I actually enrolled in the PhD program through the Wisdom School. I wanna say back in 2016, I was accepted into the program and um, started taking classes through the university. And at this time, I was actually living in China and had been out there for about a year at that time. I, had, um, I was teaching uh, ESL to adults and um, before I actually left China, I was living in Chicago and I only planned to do the ESL thing for a year because I actually applied to a uh, PhD program in the Chicago area uh, for, um, I think it was education and policy or something like that. And um, I told them that I would, I would only need one year off and I would be back. And that did not happen. <laughs> so, um, after being in China for about a year and just kind of unpacking a lot of my own experiences while, of course, learning culture, it's a completely different culture, of course, coming from the States, um, a lot was meeting me, to say the least. And I'll try to truncate that as much as possible, but I will say that it was more of a spiritual experience uh, more than anything. And it was not a surprise to me because April 7th of 2015 is when intuitively during my meditation time, um, I got an urge or a sense that I was going to be moving to China. What was so interesting about that is um, China was never on my radar of places to go 
Hmm. Um, I've only been in Chicago for not even a full two years, but I knew that my time was starting to come short in China and I knew that I was gonna be going overseas. And so I had Japan written down, I had different countries in Africa written down, I had uh, some other places over the world that I figured that I would go. And so when that, that intuitive connection came or that download came, uh, I yielded to the information and just uh, decided that if this was a place for me to go, then all the doors would open and everything would fall in place. Um, long story short on that, I had an interview with this particular school, not even, I don't think it was a full month. Um, and it was like from there, things just started happening so quickly. You know, I was you know, off of the position. And from there, I was working for a state grant at that time for a, an arts incubator or a state agency. That grant was coming to an end. They let me know that they weren't going to be refunded. And so it was just everything that I had, you know, pretty much decreed if this is the open door for me, let it happen quickly so that, you know, you know, I'll just go ahead and make that move. And um, I did. So all of this is going on as I'm now placed into a completely new world, uh, a new culture, a new climate of people. And that's already a learning curve to adjust to. But anytime I've made a move, um, especially that grand has always come back to the center and really discern what my purpose is in a location. And so though all these changes and, uh, and all these very diverse experiences were happening, at the end of the day, throughout my time there, it was always, what is my purpose here? And how do I really need to participate while I'm here? I um, mean, one of the greatest lessons that I had before I even got there was to go as a student. And as Lisa mentioned, um, I am an ordained minister, licensed minister, and have been for uh, quite some time since my early 20s. And coming from a very conservative background, um, very, in some cases, fundamentalist, um, that's just not the thing that you would do. You know, I was already, you know, to a degree, uh, determined that I was going to go and do missionary work and do all these kind of things. And I'm, I'm getting to your point. I'm, I will answer your question, but I'm Kind of give you all some back stories. This is great. You're doing awesome. Keep going. Yeah. Um, but to to have that kind of messaging uh, prior to me going that I heard from my own spirit uh, was very humbling and really set a mindset for me while going into this new land, this new world. That um, that to be honest with you, my background of teaching was. This new world was going to be very demonic. It was going to be very uh, anti-Christ, atheist, mm. et, cetera, et cetera. And so I had to let go of all of that luggage that I had learned over the years to really submit myself to the experience in its entirety. And boy, was it was it definitely an experience, uh, not just because of, you know, I went to China, didn't know any Mandarin at all. Um, I really didn't study much on the on the culture, you know, to my own um, ignorance and to my own um, negligence. But when I got there to learn everything to a degree on the fly was such such an incredible, incredible experience. But all in all, what I was learning spiritually was something that was taking me to a whole different place. So as I'm coming to um, looking for universities or PhD programs that would allow for me to 
chime into or to uh, bring these experiences to my, my body of work, Ubiquity was one of the universities that came up with the wisdom school rather. So after applying, I knew that I was not gonna be returning back to the school that I applied for before. I mean, I knew that this was going to be a journey to really um, hone what this experience was that I, I really didn't have a name for and didn't have a language for. And I had the privilege to run into or to encounter someone like Lee Mason and Nomali that just have beautiful, beautiful spirits and beautiful souls. Um, and though we have not necessarily gone into details about this part of my journey, being able to take an integral theory class with Lee and start to put things into a better context is what I'll call a more expanded context now, just felt right at home for myself. Um, of course, learn about Ken Wilbur and his body of work before I even enrolled into uh, Ubiquity, just looking over his body of work just really made a lot of sense to me, especially during that time. Um, so when I think about the prophetic, what was so interesting is the first time that Lee brought up this opportunity, that was the first class I thought I'd teach. But for a good while, I'd start to disassociate myself from a lot of Christian practices or at least the very um, kind of ultra conservative parts of it. There was such a conflict that I was having within myself that I just didn't know if it would be uh, the right thing to do, to say the least, uh, to do a prophetic class or to do any kind of uh, Bible studies or anything associated with that because I was having my own internal conflicts. Um, and we can talk more about that uh, if need be. But um, when Lisa and I actually spoke about what class would I like to teach? We were going, I was going more so for the nutritional aspect. And I was mm. looking forward to assembling something that would be mindful eating and, and all these other kind of pieces. And as I described to her what I wanted to do, she let me know that that was probably not in alignment with what you all have uh, for this, or what you're doing. And so in my mind and my spirit, I went back to, let me, let me present the prophetic class to her and see if this is something that would be more in alignment. And sure enough, she let me know, wow, this is interesting, Rod. This is something I think that we can move forward with. <laughs> so I laughed because I had that sense all the while, but I was just trying to tuck <laughs> it away so that, you know, this could be something I do, you know, later on, or I can just offer to churches. And, you know, whenever I'm invited to a place, I can offer this you know, to people who are really interested within the church, so to speak. But that's just been re a really, really interesting journey. So that's what kind of brought me here in a in a nutshell. Did I answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you, I think you did. Um, and thank you for that. In fact, I remember that moment when we were talking first about the nutritional piece. And I was like, yeah, OK, huh, OK. Um, but then as we talked more and, and I got to hear some of your journey and um, and this thing called the prophetic, it really sparked for me something. And, and that is, you know, we have so many people who are actually in our audience um, who have been integrating what it means to be and also what it means to be an integralist mm -hmm. and how those two things can actually fit together. And um, I'm, I, I've always been on the lookout for ways 
can actually help our audience to understand aspects about how that how that marriage can happen. Um, and I love what you were talking about this whole piece around, um, well, there were a couple of things actually that popped for me that I, that I want to speak to. And then, and then I want to make space for Kevin too, because <laughs> otherwise I'm going to, I'm going to end up owning the whole interview here, but, um, but, <laughs> but this whole thing called, um, disassociating from your Christian practice, um, you know, I think that that is a common thread for a lot of people who get exposed to integral um, mm. and, and actually who are, are, are moving are moving into taking different perspectives and also seeing the limitations of any specific religion and beginning to, um, uh, uh, to, to just bridge out into, you know, how else can I express myself in a way that feels authentic when, when so much of the used to believe in things is uh, disintegrating. And, and what does it mean now to be Christian in the midst of that disintegration? And so I love that you were speaking about your own dissociation from Christian practice and how that was really something you had to move through. And so it, it makes me curious about how you hold this thing called the prophetic now. Wow, you, this is only supposed to be an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already getting goosebumps just just with the way that you you articulated that and the, and the way that you put that together was so 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 dynamic and oh I love the I love the question I just love how you put that and um th this is definitely a passion of mine and I'm working with a business coach right now to really ground a practice and ground a body of work that uh, this is probably one of the first times I'll say this out loud in public, but it's bridging the gap of Christianity into what's next. And um, being in the Western world, I think it's not a surprise to those who are living in the Western world, uh, understand the, the heresy and the rejection and the um, all of the negative associations that come with making a statement like that because you know, what do you mean, you know, bridging the gap to what's next in Christianity? Um, what I what I had to learn to do was uh, not throw the baby out with the bathwater, but navigating through the what was done um, or the history of Christianity. And even beyond that, because my background, I have a master's in mass communication, undergrad in, and, um, and communications or emphasis in broadcast journalism. So really steeped in myself in understanding communication theory naturally caused me to ask a different set of questions when it concerned Bible. Now I've taken um, very light theological classes when I was in high school and um, you know just absorbed as much as I could uh, without actually going to a seminary school throughout most of my adult life. And the conflicts that I start to have with the kinds of questions that I would ask uh, to certain leaders resulted in me being rebuked multiple times and, and told that I was pretty much uh, possessed by a particular devil of intellect and all these kind of things that that did one or two things made me really become reticent 
to uh, learning more about some of the questions I had. For example, uh, looking at the, the uh, Old Testament being translated from Hebrew and understanding that Hebrew was not uh, one of the first languages. Uh, it's an old language, but when I started to research, it was not the first language. And I think a lot of the implied message within a lot of Christian churches that I attend, you would think that it was the original you know, word of mm. God, so to speak, because there's a reiteration around the word of God, the word of God, and, and the Bible was synonymous with the word of God. And so going down that journey and having the courage to not only ask the questions, but then to answer those questions, I think a lot of times what happens is that there's almost like a PTSD moment that you have because you come to the reality that there is information, whether you like it, agree with it, or believe it's real, there's information out there that's hard to dismiss around what you consider to be this holy sacred Bible. The analogy that I often offer um, people I've been in conflict with or people who are just interested, it's, it's, it's no different than a friend invites you over for a meal and they give you a set time to come to the house uh, you, you, you arrive at that set time and you come to the house before you know it, you can smell the food that's coming from the home. They uh, should back up and say they, they invite you over for a meal and dinner and they're going to give you all the fixings for uh, this event. So you come over, you come into the house, they say, make yourself at home, you make yourself at home. They go to the back and say, I got to take care of a few things before um, we actually have this dinner party. So, you know, just go around and do what you need to do. So you do as you're told, you're walking around the house, you're admiring pictures, um, you're admiring the fact that your friend told you that they're gonna make you this home cooked meal and everything's gonna be great and wonderful. And as you make your way around the kitchen, you start noticing that there's pots and pans and all these kind of things just everywhere and food is just smelling so good and you pop a pot open and you start tasting the food and you know you you decide that that that's the first thing you're going to eat whenever you get a chance to. And you look over in the corner, you start noticing these bags from uh, Medea's Macaroni Shop and um, uh, Olive Garden and all these various different restaurants. And your friend walks into the kitchen and say, "What are you doing?" And at that moment, you have the opportunity to either just simply say, "I'm just tasting the food. It was everything smells so good." or you have the opportunity to inquire about, well, didn't you say the, this was a homemade meal that you were making for me? Um, so why am I seeing all these different bags from various different restaurants? I don't know if that's the best analogy to use, but the way that it worked for me was that as I've traveled along this path and I've started to learn more, I realized that, again, I don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, the Bible out and just say, I, it, you know, burn it to hell, I don't want anything to do with it, but I can now resource what I've learned and come back to the scriptures and realize that it may not have all originated uh, in this particular canonization, but I can still appreciate it for what it is and I can mm. garner what I need from it. Um, it. It doesn't deny that it, certain things are good, certain things are helpful. I just have to see things within a context. The other part of that is as nutritionists, I've had to understand, or a nutritional coach, let me say that because I'm not, I'm not licensed or anything like that, I'm just a, a certified coach. But as you start to understand more about uh, nutrition, uh, let's say for 
your vitamins, your minerals, and then of course your macros, proteins, carbs, et cetera, highlighting more so about minerals and vitamins, we will go to the grocery stores and purchase um, all these various different vitamins and there's some high quality and high potent uh, vitamins and minerals that are out there. And we need those because we don't get all the sources from our food. But one of the things I came across in some research is that oftentimes when there is vitamins and minerals that are extracted from, let's say, a piece of fruit or uh, this particular plant, is that you don't know how much of that particular vitamin or mineral is being compromised, being removed out of its environment. And so I say all that to say this, that what has served me in doing deeper research is understanding that being able to identify the origins of certain practices and information is mm -hmm. no different. Oftentimes we wanna take it out, uh, let's say, just say the Bible, this is, this is the Bible is, is, is what it is. Everything has been perfectly made uh, by the spirit. You know, there's no, this is, it's original, et cetera, et cetera. And when you understand that there are many things that are not original that have been taken out from here in this space and that space, well, you're practicing something you may not fully understand. So if you don't have an understanding around certain practices that are made, let's go with the prophetic. As I've done more research around the prophetic and certain research suggests that in um, Egypt or Kemet, there were uh, prophets assigned to the temples and their positions were allegedly like a presidential position within those temples that predated Christianity thousands of years. Now, if I don't at least consider the fact where that information came from and what was practiced before, there could be a lot of information that I've compromised, that I'm, I'm ignorant to. There could be a lot of practices I'm just not aware of because I did not find its original source. Mm -hmm. Is that making any sense? Yeah. Totally. I want to jump in on that. One of my uh, one of my Buddhist teachers and I would, uh, was uh, connecting with during a private lesson one time, and I said, you know, I was really appreciating all his words and how I was always borrowing a bunch of stuff from his stuff when I teach and bringing that forward. And he said, hey, look, if you're involved in anything religious, we all live in a long history of a lineage of plagiarism. <laughs> and that's it it's, it's exactly what you're describing is yeah. you know how who knows how far back this goes but what but also to to kind of bring this back to the prophetic is like but what but what actually matters you know are we outsourcing the prop prophetic to to someone else or are we developing a relationship with it Beautiful, you know, Beautiful. and so I, I'd actually be curious to hear a little bit more about how you're, how you're thinking of relating to the prophetic as we get into, you know, working with integral life. Uh, just one other thing that I wanted to capture too that I think um, is great about what you said, and and also just really highlighted for me something a long time ago around the value of religion, other than Integral Spirituality by Ken Wilber, which is a huge plug for that book. Oh my God, that's one of my favorites that he's ever written. Um, but I was, 20 years ago, I was in a conference around transpersonal psychology that was having an integral focus. And Mark Foreman, who wrote the book on uh, integral psychotherapy and is a close friend of mine, and he stood up and he started his speech by saying, okay, 
here's why transpersonal psychology and all things integral are never going to take off <laughs> because wow. we don't we don't care about church we don't care about football and we don't care about money and until <laughs> we do this will go nowhere and he's like i could stop right there but i'm going to talk another 20 minutes but i think <laughs> but I, I i never forgot that moment it was such a powerful moment for me because mm -hmm. you know if the majority of the country and the population is deeply enmeshed in football money and church and we're trying to be this movement that's altering consciousness and being transformation but you know we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, as you said we're going nowhere sure absolutely and so that it, if we're an integral movement we have to integrate the the beneficial aspects of all that comes before and all that is yet to come absolutely absolutely yeah i mean again we can we can riff on on, on that statement <laughs> several hours um but yes to to respond to that and then to make sure i'm clear on your question um the barrett value system comes to mind immediately when you say that because when we start to understand and many other maps and memes that have been used to describe value systems that's just one that comes to mind but when we start to get clear about the value systems associated with a certain mindset or a psychology, I think that you start to fight against systems that are established, they have a purpose, they're here for whatever reason, um, and you can make the decision to say, hey, I'm gonna let these football watching church going individuals let them know how important it is to integrate yeah. all of this knowledge that i think is important or you say okay that's what the system is this is what i'm going to focus on doing this is how i'm going to use this information and should somebody decide they want to come along and learn it great if not it's not going to stop what i'm doing um the the uh oh my gosh this is it keeps going to my mind the quote that's often quoted nowadays and probably have been for years, but the Einstein, and I'm gonna paraphrase because I'm sure I'll, but, I'll butcher it, but it's the idea behind you don't fight something at the same level. Mm. That you have to transcend it. That's, I'm yeah. putting it in my own words, but you have yeah. to transcend it because otherwise you're gonna be more apt to use the same mentality, the same tactics, the same strategies. Mm -hmm. Now, what, I, what I've learned along the way, at least in my fulcrum of thought, is that it doesn't mean you ignore the other value systems or um, totally. perhaps the threats that are associated with that, that level of thought, because I can be having this wonderful integral experience but if I go into a community of people that are living by a different value system that perhaps uh, believe very differently and, and violence is associated with that community and many other things, then I need to be aware of that. And I need to be able to perhaps uh, put in contingencies around how I'm going to respond with those various value systems. But in the meantime, I can put an intention around how I'm going to hold space for what I'm experiencing, grow it create community from that should people decide they want to participate in it beautifully said yeah 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 so yeah I, I i love that and and i love that you were talking about um about integration and you know one of the things that we've talked about on this podcast in in many forms 
uh, is how important integration is. And, you know, the things that Kevin and I actually have a tendency to revolve around in terms of conversation are the various allergies mm. right, that we have to other um, value systems, um, yeah. worldviews, um, and stages, um, and how and how that actually uh, is is in fact pointing at places where we need to integrate um, things that we need to actually bring forward. Um, mm. And and it's I love that you were you were talking about it from that perspective because I'm I'm just reminded that um, you know coming back to this was a move I had to make in my life coming back to my 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 religion of mm. origin um coming back to Christianity and actually healing the rift that I had with Christianity oh, yeah because because I I finally came to a place where I understood that unless I did that I would never be able mm. to in fact um take the perspective of others who were practicing Christianity mm -hmm. um, in a more fundamental way I could never I could never actually bridge that gap and so part of my own journey of moving into um a more second tier a more second second tier way of being uh really was about coming back and saying and 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 forgiving <laughs> forgiving Christianity um forgiving God forgiving Jesus in in the original sort of ways that I held those concepts and um and allowing myself to come to terms with how I felt now without making it wrong yeah um, which was part of my journey and that was one of the reasons why I you know I, I kind of keyed off of the disassociation practice that you you talked about um but what are the, oh go ahead I, I wanted to I want to correct something really quick on saying disassociating myself from the practice because the the tenants of Christianity, I still practice. I really don't know what to say. Maybe the culture of Christianity is what I disassociated myself from. Because the, the, the tenets of forgiving, as you just mentioned, loving unconditionally, um, walking a life of peace, all of those things were very much so and still have been very real and very a part of the way that I've navigated in life and, and the way that I've navigated even dealing with the Christian aspect. So I just want to make that correction about what I meant when I said disassociating. I should have said disasso disassociate myself from the culture itself and not the practice. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that clarification. Yeah. Sorry, um, another word I might bring in there too is not just the culture of it, but like the translations. Translation mm. is such an important thing at second tier. It's one of the biggest skills to develop. Absolutely. And, and you know, like what Lisa was talk, just talking about in herself is she's upgrading and evolving her translations of her understanding of Christianity. For me, when I was sharing my part about how hilarious that moment was about church football and money, it was upgrading my translations and being like, crap, I might have to pick a football team here. Uh, you know, like um, I had to, I had to, re-navigate and re-describe yeah. to myself meaning making for myself which is a translative wow. ca capability and so when we look at some of the more rudimentary or more more um kind of ingrained translations of how religion shows up this is one of the things that second tier allows us that green does not is this mm -hmm. ability to to actually go back and start to ascribe a position of yeah that feels like 
a really healthy translation and that doesn't and that's yeah. one that needs upgrading or evolving yeah. or translation in a healthier way and so um to me i i i'm picking up what you're laying down but i also just for the audience and other people who are who are talking about it there's a sense of um that this translative ability is such a crucial skill at second tier to develop in ourselves and others and how we're relating to others so that we don't have this massive allergic reaction when we hear a translation we don't like. I, I have to say this. I love the fact that you both are using the word allergy and allergic reaction. because <laughs> That is a term that I use with another close friend of mine a few years back. Just It's like I've created these allergies. And so I've never heard no anyone else use that term. And so it really does bless me in many ways. And, and thank you for bringing the point that you brought up is because a, a deficit in language in terms and being able to communicate what that change is as an isolated event, it's very isolating mm -hmm. because you almost feel right. mute. You yep. feel very mute you know that there's a change that's happening internally, but when you lack the words to describe what that change is, you're just kind of stuck in this space of, okay, I'm at a reservoir of change, but what are the words I use? A am I safe to even have these conversations in a public format? Who can I trust to have this conversation with, et cetera, et cetera. And so to both of you, very great points to bring up because until you start to walk through that track, um, I don't think people really understand how isolating it is to go into a place that you would call perhaps your home church or go into a church and you're sitting and you're, you're, you're trying to perhaps retrieve this version of yourself that could relate fully, wholeheartedly. You're trying to bring this, this version back and it's like complete disconnect because that greater work needs to be done to really reconcile yep. how are you relating now and how are you making peace with how you are relating now? Because that's a whole different skill set that's required along the process. And, and there's an overlap with health, which is another big area of focus with you, you know, from an inflammation standpoint, oh, if your body is yes. constantly inflamed, it's like you're having a constant allergic reaction. And so then when you think about your internal operating system being constantly inflamed, it's like, well, how are you, how is that going to navigate the world smoothly? It's not. Absolutely. It, you, the, so a person that comes to mind for me that's been really, really impactful, and let me know when we just need to steer back to this, uh, the questions that you have, because I, I definitely want to answer them. You all are just bringing up so many juicy points. It's like, <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I, I don't know if you all are aware of, uh, he would go by Bishop Carlton Pearson. Um, I don't, I think he's kind of dropped the title Bishop, but anyway, within the, not only black community, but within the, um, conservative, uh, evangelical community, he carried a pretty big name for, for decades. Um, if you're familiar with Oral Roberts or, uh, Graham, I don't know why his name is slipping my mind right now, but anyway, with many of these individuals, thank you. Um, he was kind of in line to be the next, or he really, he did that for quite some time. He was in that same light. And then he had a change of, of heart, so to speak, about 
the gospel of in, in, inclusion. And when he came and started sharing about his, his perspectives and his change or his revelation of everyone is saved and you know Jesus died for everyone in the world and whether you confess Jesus as your Lord, you go through the Romans 10 verses, uh, whether you do that or not, Christ has already died and died for your sins and died for you. And he's that was over 20 years ago, I believe, but he's he's definitely progressed uh, beyond that point. But at the point that he made this a public announcement to his congregation and to many others who were in that uh, group, if you will, the rejection and the backlash that he experienced was just it was catastrophic. So when I think about the when you said the, the health aspect, my mind immediately went to the mental health aspect. I mentioned mm -hmm. PTSD, it, that that trauma of being someone who was revered, who was trusted, who had a polished, uh, pretty pristine and polished reputation. Now you are like the the devil of the lagoons because you had a change of thought and I could never reconcile myself around how he was treated. Whether I agreed with his gospel or his understanding or not, I could never bring myself to understand that part. Mm. And it, there was a whole host of other things that went, that went along with that. But it's so amazing that over the years, being able to tune into his messaging and hear the way that he's dealing with a myriad of topics, have really been a huge stepping stone in the way that I've been able to create language, uh, to be able to create a virtual community, if you will, a safe space. Because I think it is important. Lisa, you can speak more to this or, or uh, tell me your name again. I just forgot Kevin. your name. <laughs> Kevin. Kevin, yeah, yeah. I one of you could speak to this, but I think it, there is something about being able to go back to your community of uh, people, if you will, and have that conversation. And people who have had very similar backgrounds and experiences that you have, how important that is in terms of the mental health or mental fitness and the emotional fitness, being able to relate on those degrees is such a um, sigh of breath, a, a sigh yeah. of relief. But then there's another level of healing that comes along with it because you realize that I'm not alone in this mm -hmm. and actually have whether that person is physically here, I have another person who's communicating these changes that I've been experiencing for quite some time. So I just want to, to bring that up and uh, you all feel free to ask <laughs> Whatever. And there's a there's a deficit of meaning making right now in the world and people are desperate for it. And it's really interesting where um, I was just reading the other day that the rebellious move now is like, you know, these late teenagers, early 20 peoples have these parents who are, you know, tattooed head to toe and cussing all the time around the house and, um, you know, doing TikTok dances while they're drunk, <laughs> you know, at home. And and their, their, their kids are like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, and so the, the rebellious move now, yeah. you know, where the rebellious move used to be getting a tattoo and, you know, running away or whatever. The rebellious move now is to join a church because wow. they're so wow. desperate for <laughs> meaning making. And, and I was like, God, that's fascinating. You know, that is. Um, so um, 
yeah, maybe Lisa, you have a direction you want to take this. I'm just riffing off uh, uh, and having <laughs> fun here. But um, at the but you know, there is a piece still for me that would like sort of a kindergarten level explanation of the prophetic, how you work with the prophetic, like what that's going to look like for people who are involved in integral life and want to come spend more time with you. Like, can we can we boil that down to a, a, a more concrete sense of how everything we're talking about can get activated through practice, since that's a lot of what these integral life sessions are about? Sure. Okay. Yeah, and, and before you before you start, I'm just going to say yes. I'm so glad that you led us there, and um, and I want to make sure that we leave time for anybody who would like to ask questions. Um, so I am going to ask you to give us give us as juicy and brief of a explanation um, as you can, so we do have some time, and then we might be able to wrap back around. And I know it's a lot of pressure. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... Let me let me start with scripture first, and then we can. I'll just you know kind of just truncate that and, and shorten as much as I can. But um, so the prophetic, at least from my denomination, which is a non-denominational Baptist Pentecostal background, the the understanding that I've been brought up with is that the prophetic or prophecy is a gift that's been given to the body of believers or Christians within the church. And so there's many different gifts that have been given. I'll just highlight this one. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you see Paul is dealing with the various gifts of the church. Now, there's also, there's the gifts of the church, and then there's the offices within the church that deals with bishop, uh, pastoring, evangelism, uh, the office of a prophet, and then um, I believe it's a preacher, I'm missing a teacher, I'm sorry. So the teacher. So there's the office of a prophet, and then there's prophecy. When you go through, really, just those chap chapter two, First Corinthians chapter twelve, thirteen, and the beginning of fourteen, you see how um, prophecy is something that is reiterated. That right at the beginning of First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse one, uh, you hear the importance that's emphasized around prophesying. That everybody should uh, yearn to prophesy. Prophecy or prophesying, should I say to someone, is pretty much in a public uh, platform. It's, you're, it's the exaltation. You're building someone up. Um, you are edifying them, right? So it's a, it should be a very positive experience within a public setting to edify and to build people up. The contents of prophecy could involve perhaps just letting someone know, hey, uh, you are a deserving person. I just have a sense that you are going, you are coming on a, a breakthrough and mm. you just need to have encouragement uh, as you are going through these very rough times right now because your breakthrough is coming. Um, or it could be, I, I can discern perhaps that um, you are having maybe some chest pains or some stomach pains. And mm. if it's okay with you, I would just like to pray that those chest pains and your stomach pains would dissolve and uh, that you get the healing that you need. So that kind of starts shifting into more of a practice of healing. But the idea is that when you boil it down, you just put it within common language. Uh, this may be right, wrong, and different, but it's you tuning into your intuitiveness and really starting to build skill and competencies around being more intuitive. Does that boil That's it down? Cool. That's brilliant. That's okay. awesome. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. I am, um, uh, uh, you know, I, I think I shared this with you when we when we spoke the first time around. Um, I do quite a lot around tuning into inner wisdom and bringing that voice forward. And there's something that happens when we begin to give rise to that voice within and to allow it to speak through us without trying to understand where it's coming from or why. Um, right. And, and, and the more that we can, the more that we can bring that forth. And you actually said, you actually said it in a really great way. I captured it at, at the beginning. You said, I heard from my own spirit. I loved that. And to me, that's, that's, that's much of what we're talking about here is, is in, in, in practicing the prophetic it is actually hearing from your own spirit, um, knowing that that spirit is, is part of the, the, the Holy Spirit. And mm -hmm. that you are, in fact, having something speak through you that is more than the ego and the cognitive mind and, and all the things that can yes. actually, in fact, decrease our ability to have access to whatever this thing is. Absolutely. You hit it on the nail when you said knowing. And I think oftentimes whenever you are uh, maybe a beginner or you're not really well versed around these kind of things, that word can be intimidating. Because what we've been taught as a society is that to know something, you have to go through exhaustive, perhaps um, academic steps or qualitative and quantitative process, scientific processes to, and even then you can never, at least I was taught in my program, you can never say, you know something, you can just use mm -hmm. language like is strongly suggested or right. you know, there's a great likelihood <laughs> that these, these probabilities could lead to A, B, and C. And so I just wanted to really point that out because as we've talked about value systems within the prophetic, there is going to be a certain language that's used that um, words have vibration. And I think that the analogy of, oh, how was it put that in, you can think about words as the envelope, but the content is the letter inside the envelope. And I think that that does have some merit to it that if we get too caught up on the words and not the perhaps the content or the frequency of the energy the word gives, then you can maybe lose some of the translation, if you will. That being said, I'm on the opposite side of the camp or I'm on a, a different side of the camp that says that there's two truths that are existing at the same time that perhaps may not necessarily be in conflict, but I think being able to find a common ground with words and with language can enhance the experience and give better understanding so that as we move forward in, let's say, a practice, then you're not caught up on trying to figure out what this thing is. Here's a set of language. Here's a set of words that we can use. And in the meantime, if we find that there's something that's much more effective, then we as a group can decide on how to move forward with that. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. And there you go, bringing in the communications background. I love it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there you go. I heard, I, I love that the analogies that you used earlier were all around food and nutrition <laughs> and, and, then, and then bringing in the communication. So I just love how all of the things that you talked about in terms of your own journey are actually showing up in this conversation. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. Be considered as integral? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And I want to I want to actually invite um, anybody who is with us live. Uh, if you have a question that you'd like to pose to our guest Rod and um, and and ask around prophetic or or anything else really that we've touched on today, I want to invite you to um, raise your hand and we'll call on you. Um, yeah, and 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 if and we'll just we'll just let that per percolate a little bit. So if anybody wants to ask a question, you can do that. Um, but in the meantime. Um, I have so enjoyed hearing what, you know, your, your whole, like the way that you hold the prophetic and what I really appreciate, appreciate about this is that there is, <clears throat> there's an essence of, of your fundamental background, um, that is, is also being pulled through with that new translation wow. that, that Kevin wow. was speaking to. And I just mm -hmm. really appreciate hearing how that new translation has transpired within you um, and, and, mm -hmm. and how you're now offering this practice to our community. Wow. Well, somebody better ask a question quick because I, you're going to make me say something right now. <laughs> <laughs> we don't wow. have questions right now. Yeah. So you've got something I'll, to say. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll say something else too. I just, I just want to capture, you know, that I think is really great about this is, um, <clears throat> you know, when you were talking about the, you know, how do we assess knowing, how do we assess knowledge, you know, mm -hmm. and you're saying like, even in the scientific realm, it's like, we can't even make say anything with any kind of certainty, right? Um, you know, like so much of that is based in right hand quadrants. You know, mm -hmm. And so, you know, the flip side of kind of where you're, what you're talking about, and also what Lisa and I are constantly having to do as coaches is um, create an art and science to the left-hand quadrants yes. such that, you know, when, when I have an intuition to say something to a client and I'm like, mm, where's that coming from? That, that doesn't mm -hmm. make, and then I just push it down, push it down and it keeps coming yeah. up. Then I finally say it and it cracks open something that we've yes. been working on for months. And it's yes. like, oh, interesting. And then another times I'll have an intuition to say something and it'll completely fall flat. And after the call, I'll be like, what's the difference? Right. What happened there? And then uh, and then usually most of the time when it when it falls flat, it's it's going to bed at night. I'm like, oh, that's my crap. Oh, I brought up my crap. You know, and so yeah. how do we get out of the way of ourselves such that the prophetic can come through more? It's like that takes work, that takes practice, that takes knowing and experience. And yes. that's exactly what you're speaking to. And it, it's it's not easy to do. But just like there's an art and a science to science, there's an art and a science, I think, to intuition. And so I think that that's worthy of capturing that it is a practice, you know. You guys are just going, I'm not leaving. I'm going to be here all <laughs> night because y'all just keep bringing up so many juicy and wonderful topics. It looks like there's a question there. There and is. I do want to say something there, but please let the question be asked and we can go from there. The question yeah. is that statement, though. The, yeah. the, the question is, is the link from the prophetic particular to Christianity? Um, I would say in what I know now, uh, I don't believe so. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's it's going to be hard for me to answer it kind of uh, because I learned about the prophetic through Christianity. So to to completely like isolate it as this um, 
how can I put it? Um, to make it, to say that other things have been uh, around or that the prophetic was practiced in several different other communities prior to what I've understood in the Christian church, um, I'm still doing my research around that. Um, to be honest with you, I would think when you consider context and culture and the mixture of culture, you had what was supposed to be allegedly the uh, Israelis or Jews who were living up under the Roman Empire during the times of what we consider as Bible days, if you will. Uh, original language is supposed to be during that time was Aramaic and Hebrew. I'm not even quite fully sure around it because I've heard so much and I've read so much around it. But I will say this, it would not surprise me that someone like Paul, who was allegedly an act, um, not an agnostic, uh, Gnostic, that that entire movement, this very prestigious, very intellectual, spiritual community during that time had its ties with, from what I understand, Egypt and the mm. quote unquote mystery schools. Um, when you start looking at the history of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and you had this conservative group and this very liberal group, uh, the way that they were adopting information from different communities that they were held in exile with. There, there's so much mixture over the years. I think it's very hard to just say deliberately, this was just taken from the Christian church. Although if you ask a fundamentalist, that may be their responses. No, the prophetic, and I actually listened to a couple of resources even earlier today that made a definitive, yes, this is for the church, by the church, only for Christians. I hope, I hope did I answer the question of, do y'all feel like I kind of answered the question? I think you did, yeah. Yeah, I think okay. so. I think so. Good. Well, we've actually come to our time. Um, and I agree with you, Rod. I feel like we could have extended this another hour and probably found quite a lot to talk about. Um, but I have to tell you that I am excited that you're going to be bringing the Practicing the Prophetic uh class to the integral life platform. Uh, I hope that our audience very much enjoys it. I think that um, you've done a really beautiful job of describing what you're what you mean by that and and really uh, what what you're going to be practicing in that uh, session. So I'm very excited for it. And I want to thank you so, so much for being here today. Um, and for just such an enjoyable conversation absolutely my pleasure thank you so much for allowing me to share the space with you all and have the conversation um do i have time to make just a few points yes <laughs> I, I wanted to, to mention this that um i started in the prophetic in a formal way about over 15 years ago in a small group uh, the church that I was going to in Portales, New Mexico, which is a very rural community. I played football in Portales. So I was, that was my college uh, football years, et cetera, et cetera. But I joined a church there, and uh, one of the ladies from the group uh, just, you know, we all, she put the initiative together to call for midweek meetings for us to actually start practicing in what I call the prophetic, where we were just sharpening our abilities to just 
speak from the spirit, edify, build up. We use a variety of different tactics, tools, and strategies to really start leaning into what we call the prophetic for this. Again, I'll say leaning into our intuition and, and really speaking from that. But I think it is a little bit deeper than that. There's a divine spark in all of us that when we tune into that, um, as you described, Kevin, your experiences of having these really amazing points that uh, had you not leaned into that intuition, perhaps you would have continued to drag on and, and frustrate whatever the meeting was or the process was because you're trying to really come from this um, cerebral think tank domain when in fact, if you just move into that heart domain, you could probably extract much more intelligence. All that to say, um, two, my two final points, this is a preacher in me, my two final points <laughs> is that Lisa, when you talked about being able to move through, or however you put it, to move through this space and still bring this kind of fundamentalist language with me, what was so interesting is that I actually met with the uh, leader of that prophetic team about a month or so ago. Um, we'll send good intentions and thoughts to her. She's going through a process of, of cancer and, and things like mm. that. And um, she actually came up, I'm in Houston, Texas. She actually came up to Houston her and uh, her oldest daughter came up. Uh, they were, they've been coming here for treatment uh, with some of the hospitals here. And we had an opportunity, opportunity to connect and, and pray and just you know, speak prophetic words over each other. And one of the things that she described was, I don't know what this is, Rob, but I just see you like on this, um, this bungee cord uh, hanging from the sky. And it's like God's hand is pulling you up and sending you through this small hole and you're carrying something. I don't know if she said you're carrying something or I don't know exactly how she put it. I have to go back through the notes. But immediately when you describe the coming through this, this place and still bringing that fundamentalist kind of language with me, that's what came to mind is that there's a certain domain and a certain portal that we experience uh, a birthing, a rebirth from moment to moment, from cycle to cycle. And just, just like in the integral theory, the transcend and include, we're bringing with us these previous versions and these previous parts, at least the things that need to sustain and remain. We bring that along with us into places that we may not know, we may not even understand. And when you said that, I think about this space of coming to a, a zone, if you will, um, a spiritual location and doing what I've done, but in a completely different sector of life, there's something profound to be said about that. And I think that the people that will be attracted to this kind of, a, kind of space, no matter if you're, if you're a Christian, you were a Christian, or you don't have any kind of association with religion, I think anybody can get something from this. And mm -hmm. this last point I want to make about something you talked about, clearing out that space so that you're not hung on to, um, you know, why that flat line? And I had this great moment here. One moment I had in a class where we were all sharing, in a prophetic class in particular, we were all sharing information. And it came my term, time up, and I don't remember exactly the practice, but I was supposed to deliver a, a word, if you will, to a particular person in the group. 
And um, it had been a few years by this time that I've been in the class, but I could not get a lot of words for this person. And I felt very humbled, let me say, because I'm used to these elaborate words and, you know, this is what I see in my spirit for this situation, blah, 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 blah. And the only word that I got was watermelon. That was it. And I'm thinking, surely there's something else to this. And even the leaders uh, were like, you know, well, Rod, do you have anything more <laughs> that you want to share? I said, no, this is all I have to share. And I felt so just awkward because I'm thinking, well, is my gift dwindling? Have I missed it? Mm -hmm. Have I at that time, you know, all the guilt started coming in. Did I do something wrong in my life in these last couple of days that didn't allow for me to get more information? And what was so interesting is that over the next couple of days, that individual went to a, um, I think it was like a prophetic dream conference. And um, I knew in my heart, I was not to give any more information. And so I, I say this for two, for multiple reasons. That's, well, I'll give my takeaway here afterwards. When that person went to that dream uh, conference, um, that word watermelon came back to them. Now these were people, who came, I don't even know where they came from, but they came and they start giving that person that I gave the word to only a few days before a more ex exhaustive explanation mm -hmm. on why the watermelon was important for them to be aware of. And it was just so, so, so profound. My takeaways from that experience was one, don't put anything, don't make something more than what it should be. Mm. If you don't get anything, you don't get anything. Yeah. You don't have to feel forced to try to produce something that's mm -hmm. not given to your spirit because it may not be for you to deliver. It may be that you are being perhaps tested or authenticated is what I like to use now is that you're being authenticated to see that are you willing to listen to your spirit and not get caught in doing it a particular way. Yeah. And you're so used to doing it this way that when you're being redirected, can you also listen enough to be redirected because it may be for someone else to share that information because overall, you know, whether you say spirit or universe, it, it's not just about us, but it's about the, the spirit being able to navigate and use these various pieces because had I just made some things up, who knows how that information mm -hmm. will confuse that person. And, yeah. and perhaps they were dealing with a, a level of doubt within their own self. And now you go to a conference that's completely disconnected to me as a person and my gift and what I think I may know that they're going to give you information about something that I started that you have no reason to now doubt that moving into this realm of intuitional spirit really has a lot of credibility. And if you tune into it, you'll find that those connecting pieces can be anywhere. And so I just mm -hmm. wanted to end with that. Great example. <clears throat> thank you so much. Um, and thank you audience for being here. And for anybody who is tuning into the recording, uh, please be sure to check out the Integral Life calendar um, for Rod's upcoming session. Do you have the date for that? Can you tell us the date? I don't have the exact date. I think Namali is still working out the, okay. uh, the actual date, but we have selected a date. It'll be a Friday, I believe, from three to four. So okay. if anything changes, Lisa or somebody will let you know. But as of now, that you can kind of estimate that it'll likely, oh, and it'll be on, um, I think that's CST time. 
uh, Central Standard Time. So, okay. So, so stay tuned. Um, definitely check out the Interval Life uh, calendar for that and. For all the other wonderful events that we have going on, um, including uh, a multitude of different types of discussion groups, as well as um, actual practices, uh, I'm in fact running a two-day retreat soon um, for members of Integral Life. Uh, so super excited about that. It's called Discover Your Deepest Yes. And you can check that out if you're not yet a member of Integral Life. Um, now is a great time for you to sign up for the one $1 membership fee. Um, you can you can join for a month and you can check out some of these great things as a member and decide whether or not you feel like um, you'd like to be part of this community in a deeper way. We'd love to have you. Um, please do please do come to the live events if you are a member and haven't been to one before. Uh, they are. I also yeah like I also do a men's group uh, through Integral Life. There's a, any grand practice that people can join part of there's so many great practices right now some serious academic nerds are reading through sex ecology spirituality by ken wilber again which is just like oh, you guys don't have something better to do than read that bible good grief uh but there there's so there's something for everyone over there so come check that out and um i just want to say to to roderick so great meeting you so great having you super stoked to have you on board uh, I hope whatever you're getting pulled up on through that rope, through that little tiny uh, portal is a football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, don't speak that on me. I, my football days are done. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm open to the experience. I'm open to the experience. Br bringing football to second tier. That's what we need. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, Rod, how can people get in touch with you if they want to if they want to learn more about you? Do you have a website or a, something? Yes, absolutely. So, um, and, and Lisa, you can feel free to share this on a, um, I guess, if there's a description of something that's, that's going to be posted. But anyway, my website is www.h as in heaven, the number two, o as an octave, dash, the number one dot com. Again, that's h two o not a zero, O as an octave, dash one.com. And you can look me up on the social networks on IG as Rod H2O uh, or at Rod H2O. Um, I have a YouTube channel. Uh, I think it's Roderick Chambers H2O. Don't quote me. I'll, I'll send that <laughs> basically. It's something like that. But um, but yeah, you can you can just or you can email me at Roderick R O D R I C K dot H two O one at gmail.com uh, if you want to get in contact with me. So please feel free to reach out. I'm not as I, I do a couple of things. I release a couple of things, but I, I, I'm not as active as I was before with doing frequent podcasts and things like that because I've really shifted my focus um, on a few other things within my business. But check me out if you want to talk to me. Just reach out and we can talk <laughs> awesome awesome and kevin how can people get in touch with you uh kevinsnorf.com is the best way to get a hold of me great great and um and if you want to get in touch with me you can find me at your deepest yes.com your deepest yes.com you can reach out to me personally as well i'm at lisa at your deepest yes.com we have enjoyed bringing this to you today thank you for being with us and um we will see you next time Sounds good. You guys have a fantastic evening. We'll we'll be in touch soon. You All too. Right. Take care, Cheers, man. Okay. Bye, Kevin. Bye.